I am the love call of evolution. <laughs> You're laughing at my accent? No, 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 that's not laughing, that's delight. I find it very difficult to entertain a guest of the female persuasion while you sew your underwear. Oh, you love the women. As long as they're cute and charming and following orders, you're happy as a clam. And the wrong way is to keep trying to make everybody else do it the right way. Hey, MASH fans, it's time for another episode of the MASH 4077th Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Kenny, and joining me from across the pond, my good pal, Simon. Hi, gentlemen. Today we're discussing Season 7, Episode 17, Inga. It's the 164th episode overall, directed by Alan Alda, written by Alan Alda, originally aired on January 8th, 1979, and the production code is T420. Right, it is human. Charles was convinced someone was torturing the camp mutt. In one hour, a doctor will be visiting from the Swedish Red Cross Hospital. A lady doctor. And rumor has it she is a blonde Swedish lady doctor whose name is... <laughs> hold your breath. Inga. <laughs> uh, this woman, I take it, does not yet know that you exist? I am nothing but the tall, dark, and handsome who skulks among her gypsies' tea leaves. Doesn't that strike you as just a wee bit overconfident? I am the essence of overconfidence. I am speculation, adventure, the spirit of pursuit, the stag howling for its winsome yet anonymous mate. I am the love call of evolution, the perfume and color of the flowers as they offer their pollen to the gentle fuzz of the bees. I am sex itself, gentlemen. I am life. I am appetite. And I'm not taking my clothes off till he leaves. And the plot summary. Now Hawkeye falls for a visiting Swedish doctor, but is disconcerned by her take-charge ways. As a result, he is forced to confront his chauvinistic views towards powerful women. How do you do, doctor? I'm Hawkeye Pierce, the local chief surgeon. Hello, I'm Inga Halverson. <laughs> You're laughing at my accent? No, 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 that's not laughing, that's delight. If I may say so, doctor, your voice is the soundtrack of my dreams. Please, call me Inga. <laughs> your uh, your uh, room is uh, right down the hall here, Inga. <laughs> I think you'll find these first-class accommodations. Hot and cold running rodents everywhere but the mess tent, which they refuse to patronize. Surgery when you least expect it. And the occasional fireworks display to celebrate the end of civilization as we know it. Oh, it sounds lovely. We got four stars from the International Hellhole Society. Forget it. Come in. Ah, Dr. Halverson, welcome. Dr. Winchester, I see the bellboy is still here. I brought you a bottle of Chateau Lafitte 37, a modest little welcome of inestimable value. Ah, the grape, whose misty skin is a pale membrane between the workaday and the holiday. While you're in camp, I definitely recommend an evening with Charles. We don't get Milton Berle here. Uh, will you be here long, uh, Doctor? No. Our country wants as many physicians as possible to study combat surgery. So we are rotating on very short tours of duty. Ah, Sweden, the jewel in the crown of Scandinavia. Charles loves the Swedish people, don't you, Charles? With a passion. Many's the time he's told us about Christina. Remember Christina? Oh, uh -huh. yes. <laughs> 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 Christina is our scullery maid at home. Rosy cheeks, 
buxom, devilish personality. She drove me wild as a teenager. And of course, later I got to look at her mother when she came to visit. You know how lumpy Swedish women can become in later life. <laughs> of course, that would never happen to you. Well, I, I hope not, anyway. Good night, Charles. You would never allow yourself to get... It's too late now. Lumpy. Bye. <laughs> Where did you get him? We're trying him out. We think he can replace dysentery. <laughs> and we have our guest stars. We have Marietta Hartley. She played Dr. Inga Halverson. Uh, it's 132 credits for Marietta. Most people recognize her from an episode of Star Trek back in 69. But she has been in so many classic TV series, it would be impossible to write them all down. Nice fact about her is that she won an Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series for the episode Married of The Incredible Hulk in 1978. And uh, Phyllis Katz returns as a nurse. And then we have Kelly Nakahara returning as Lieutenant Kelly Yamato. Hey. So that's all that bothered you, huh? The way she did it. Yeah. I've got a big piece of news for you, Captain. Charles is right. The fact that she's a woman is what gets you. You must be kidding. Oh, you love the women. As long as they're cute and charming and following orders, you're happy as a clam. You're fine with the handmaidens, but let a woman be an equal. Really makes your hair fall out, doesn't it? Margaret, could you find a better simile? I haven't treated you like a professional? All you think about with women is one thing. In some cases, not even one. Hard smash to your left, Margaret. That's supposed to cut me the quick, right? You've got a yardstick that's three letters high, S-E-X, and you measure every woman in the camp by it. Great backhand. What are you getting so excited about? I'm sick and tired of the way you chase the nurses. And now that you've met a woman who's on your own professional level, I'm loving every minute of it. As am I. Yeah, well, you're talking through your hat. It's a small camp, Captain. I know all about your attempted tryst last night, and I happen to know how it turned out. Margaret, I have something really pithy to say to you, but I think we should step outside first. Fight, fight, fight! Oh, close your home! How dare you do that to me in front of a room full of people? I have to work with them. You'll work with them a lot better when you start treating them like people. Don't hand me that baloney. You're not standing up for her as a woman. You're really jealous of her, aren't you? Jealous of her? Olive green. Over you? Don't be an ass. You think everything revolves around you and your spectacular body, don't you? You're raving. You think a woman is dead until she lives for you. Well, let me tell you something, Benjamin Franklin. We actually survive without you. We live, we breathe, we dream, we do our work, we earn our pay. Sometimes we even have our little failures, and then we pull ourselves together, all without benefit of your fabulous electric lips. And let me tell you something else, Buster. I can walk into that kitchen any time I want and replace those fabulous lips of yours with a soggy piece of liver. All right, let's go ahead and discuss this episode. I think I will start us off. I really like this episode. Mm -hmm. uh, I gave it actually an 8 out of 10. Okay. Um, I thought this was a really good episode for the time to show how men chauvinism really was back then. Yeah. Uh, for you know, men having to, or these poor women having, having to deal with male chauvinists about, you know, just strong women. Um, I thought it was really well portrayed there, and I liked I, it was good to see her frustration, you know, because she yeah. is a smart woman, uh, and, and to show whole new sides to Hawkeye. Because I mean, 
I don't know if I would call Hawkeye a chauvinist back, the, you know, before this episode. Mm. I mean, he's I don't he's a player, but I don't know if he really. I don't know. I might. I always see Hawkeye. Uh, he has a soft heart. He has a soft side to him. So it's yeah, hard for I, me to see him as a womanizer or a chauvinistic. You know, I think he's definitely a, definitely a womanizer in the earlier series. I wouldn't yeah. say he's chauvinistic. It's not like he treats. He doesn't treat women like dirt or anything like that or looks down on them. He, he, he treats them with a lot of respect, but fancies them something rotten. Um, so I think there's, there is a different sign of it. But uh, yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't go, I wouldn't say he's chauvinistic. It's a very strong word, that is. Yeah. Would you say that in this episode? Because this episode, he really is offended. He's, like, upset because she was, you know, she... she I don't it's, know. It's funny because I, I, when I was watching it, I, I would have turned around and said that... I think Charles is chauvinistic, but I think Hawkeye yeah. is. Yeah, there is there is definitely a, a slight chauvinistic tendency, especially to, with his attitude. But mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's more embarrassment. I think more than anything. I mean, I suppose you could class that as chauvinistic if that's your attitude towards it. But I think he's more embarrassed about having somebody else come in. I think he when he has done. When his father, turned, well, not his father, but the act, his, his dad, the actor uh, yes. who plays, uh, <laughs> you know, comes in and, and 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 does the same thing. I think it's more embarrassment, but the way he deals with that embarrassment is chauvinistic. Yeah, and it's through humor. Because I mean, when he yeah. first insults her, he jokes, you know, who's going to lead with the whole dance thing. You know, <laughs> it was a it was a joke, but it was a chauvinistic joke. You know, well, I think I, like, I think she took that more serious and it could be the fact that she's had this same attitude towards her in various camps she's been so this isn't the first time she's been to a camp that's what i think yes, yeah that's and what I, I think it's think. just like oh again even though again, yes yeah you know it's a bit like when you see somebody who's in a tv show you really like and you you go and turn the line you know say a line to them and in yeah. your head you're thinking you're being funny but they've heard that same line for 20 years <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah yeah um, I did like that Charles was making a play for her and uh, inserts his <laughs> foot into his mouth big time. Yeah, that, brilliantly. That was good. Um, I loved the scene between Margaret and Hawkeye when she was just calling him out outside the tent. Mm. Um, that's one thing I love about Ellen's writing. It's just, it's so, he, he knows these characters so well because he's been with them so long that he can he can really speak their language and Mm. just something about him and having just two people just a a conversation between two people he has some incredible dialogue that he can write Uh, and the acting of course I mean especially with those two but I really really like the scene between those two when she was calling him out for being a chauvinist and you know feeling threatened and um, you know strong women are strong women and it was just really well done Uh, I did like like I said overall I I like this episode just because of the social commentary. And MASH always hmm. did that. MASH always had those episodes. There were some fun episodes that were just, you know, silly and you didn't really think about them much. But then you had some that were really hardcore, ingrained in, in our society hmm. of, of our issues that we have, you know, that the yeah. human race has. And they would draw light, you know, draw a spotlight to it. And I thought this was well done um, for that. Because these guys don't, on the outside, they don't look like they're chauvinists. You wouldn't think that they were. Well, I don't know about Charles, but, <laughs> you know... And but deep down, you know, they're and like you said, I think it's more of an embarrassment that there's a woman who's better than them, mm. uh, which I guess technically would be chauvinistic, because why wouldn't there be women better than than men? Well, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did really like the the ending with Margaret coming up to Hawkeye, 
and trying to get him to go to the movies because he was kind of down. Didn't you know the movie just went on in the mess tent? Yeah, Casablanca. With Humphrey Bogart. And Ingrid Bergman. I don't think I'm strong enough to hear a Swedish accent for a while. It was kind of rough for you, wasn't it? Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she had to walk into mine. Come on, see the movie. No, I'm all right. I'll buy you popcorn. You're going to pull me through this in spite of myself, aren't you? Why not? You know, Louie, this could be the start of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> um, so she wasn't upset with him. You know, she realized that he realized his error in ways and was really upset that he screwed up. That yeah. this could have been something special. And he his ego got in the way and screwed it up for him. But I did like their little moment at the end. That was really a nice way to kind of end the episode. Yeah. What do you think? I get and I, I agree with you on everything you say. I mean, I, I give yeah. this eight out of ten um, yeah. because of the the kind of like the uh, commentary that this whole episode's about. And like you say, that it's it's dealing with an issue back in nineteen fifty two, fifty three, but it's also a, an issue dealing in nineteen seventy nine when this was wrote. But I, I think it's fair enough to say that it's still an issue. Um, I was going to say two thousand seventeen. It's still yeah, an issue. Yeah, you know yeah. where we. We, we have um, scenarios in, in hospitals where not so much, you know, in certain countries, um, mm -hmm. doctors are, I think they are higher above uh, nurses and, and, you know, 80% of nurses are, are female. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, they probably know more <laughs> than true. anyone else. And, and yeah. they get uh, chauvinistic attitudes towards them. Um, I, I, I really do like this. And again, as, as we discussed when you were talking about it, I think there's a lot of, you can see a lot of embarrassment that comes on it, as like we were saying about Hawkeye being chauvinistic. I think he's more embarrassed by it, but then you've also seen this is how well Alan Alder writes, where mm -hmm. the fact that he gives the other interpretation where if you're intelligent enough, you can actually see that from her point of view, she's she's had this issue many, many times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and she's a forefront of modern medicine. And I think it's so well well done, by the way, Alder does it. And it's funny because I was thinking about this earlier on before we started recording that Everyone goes on about Josh Whedon writing strong characters for women. Alder was doing it 20, 30 years before that fact, That's but true. Never, never really yeah. acknowledged. Could you imagine yeah. that if, if, if Alan was, you know, uh, 20 years younger than he is now, what he could write? I mean, yeah. I think he would. Be, I think he'd be a, a, a woman's dream. Well, he's a woman's dream. Let's face it, and some <laughs> men's dream. Um, but I, I think he. I think he could be writing some fantastic stuff. It's a shame that. It's a shame actually that he. I mean, I know he's wrote some wonderful books, and I, I own all of them. Um, but it's, I would like to have seen him write more, more film scripts and more, more stuff, TV yeah. stuff. I really would, yeah. but obviously you can't, you know, you can't do everything. Uh, there's some wonderful lines that he gives in this as well. Uh, his own line of "I am the love call of evolution" um, mm. is brilliant. <laughs> his own description of himself. Um, mm -hmm. Klinger questioning the fact of sex change operations. Yeah, but I have a colleague in Copenhagen who does sex change operations. Yeah, what's that? Well, you would finally be transformed into a woman. It's very sophisticated surgery, but uh, it's possible. You mean somebody... You mean take a knife and... and... Yeah. They're crazier than I am. Now, I'd be really interested to know, I didn't... I meant to have looked this up, when the first kind of um, sex change operations began, because if this is 1952, I, I'm amazed that it was that long ago, if this, this is correct, and I, I find it hard to believe that older wouldn't have researched that. Um, yeah, 
Ch- uh, BJ's conversation to Hawkeye regarding Charles was you assassinated his character. He went, "Yeah, I let him talk." <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was just brilliant. And as you say, that that Margaret speech is great. One thing did, did stand out though. We, uh, BJ is is not in this episode much, uh, and when he is, he's talking about how. Uh, Peg is a very strong woman in the fact that she's having to run the house, be the income earner and bring up his child uh, yeah. on her own. And he, he mentions the land that she bought, which, of course, we know from a, a season ago when he had to borrow the money off Charles. But unfortunately, he says it in this episode as if he didn't really know anything about it, as if he's, you know, he's kind of only just found out about it, which is slightly weird. Whether it's his delivery or whether the way that it's written, I'm, I'm not too sure. Yeah. Um, but that's the only that stands out. But again, as, as you said, uh, Margaret's helping Hawkeye out at the end when he's reading his book in the you know the recovery room, uh, and in, you know encourages us to go and see the movie. Uh, is really well done. It's it's a cracking episode. This and it, it's one of those um, standout episodes of Mash, which is making a point uh, of natural lives instead of yeah. just a comedy. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So so well done. Mm. There's nothing wrong with taking your cue from the female of the species. Now take the seahorse. The male gives birth to the babies, and the mommy brings home the underwater bacon. I'll keep that in mind if I'm ever attracted to a seahorse. Just remember, there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. And the wrong way is to keep trying to make everybody else do it the right way. Right. Are you as miserable as you look? Well, it seems I had another little run-in with my ego last night. I know. Everybody knows. Small place. Look, I've learned a lot of things from women. I've learned a lot of real nice things from women. There's a lady in Seoul who taught me to play Begin to Begin without the aid of a musical instrument. It's not the same. Peg and I have always had a kind of equal partnership. We just took it for granted. We made our decisions together. While I'm here, she makes them without me. She just picked up a piece of property back home. It's going to be worth a bundle in a couple of years. Yeah. Well. If she didn't have a mind of her own, we'd be quite a bit poorer right now, in more ways than one. I'll try to remember that. All right, let's move on to some behind the scenes. I had a hard time finding uh, behind the scenes for this. But it's, I feel like the episodes, the more they go, I thought I would have more behind the scenes, but it's actually less and less. Well, I suppose the thing is, though, is that, it, you know, that, that that it's like a well-run machine now. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's you know, true. They, yeah, they, they know exactly what's going on and where the sets are. As before, we'd, we'd, we'd turn around and say, oh, you know, the VIP tent is, you know, in a different area or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Everyone knows yeah. where the VIP tent that's is. true. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did find a few. So here's the first one. Uh, Alan Alda won an Emmy for writing in this episode, and I can totally agree with that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It was such a well-written episode, well-deserving of, of an Emmy win. <laughs> uh, when Inga arrives, Klinger tells her that it takes two doctors to sign the Section 8 forms and that he's short of two doctors. Hawkeye and BJ could and would sign those forms. In fact, Hawkeye has signed several, uh, so this would not be a problem. But in an early episodes, it always took three doctors to sign. So with Hawkeye and Trapper, John having signed it, he still required Henry or Frank to sign. So the need for Inga to sign is gone, with only two doctors needed. Yeah, I noticed that too. I thought that mm. was just a... I guess it was just a mistake in the writing. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I mean, unless it was just a convenience thing, you know, because obviously Hawkeye and BJ would help cling her out and just sign. <laughs> um, or I, at least I assume they would help him out. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. We have a fun fact, and we've talked about this in the past, about the laugh track, but yeah. um, 
The executive producers at CBS wanted to make MASH uh, as much of a comedy as possible. Therefore, they decided to put as much canned laughter into the show as possible. However, the writers of the show were completely against this, feeling that this trivialized the actual soldiers in the Korean War. As the show went on, the laughter got progressively quieter and quieter. But however, the show's creators were able to get the laughter out of the operating room scenes. Uh, yeah, and eventually it's it's really like there's hardly any can laugh. Mm. Yeah, now um, I, I see it. I, on the DVD, you have the option to remove it. You can take uh, it out. Yeah, yeah which is so nice. such a difference. Oh, oh my gosh, yes. It's so different. Yeah. In fact, the funny thing is, you know, is that in England... Um, I don't remember, I mean, this. I first saw MASH in 81, 82, which is coming towards mm-hmm. the end of its run, um, but I honestly don't remember there being a laughter track on it. And then when I saw it on a cable channel, it had the laughter track on, and it really threw me. So I don't yeah. know whether the BBC had the version that didn't have the laughter track on, or we took it off over here. I'm not That's too sure. That's a possibility. Sure. Yeah, it'd be interesting I mean, to yeah. know, actually. Yeah, that would be, I'll have to investigate a little bit and see. That's, mm. I mean, it is a night and day kind of thing. Watching it with laugh track, watching without laughter. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyways. Cool. Inga, it's Hawkeye. Can I talk to you for a minute? You all right? Oh, yeah. Since I made the mistake of helping Dr. Winchester's patient. I heard. What was I supposed to do? Let him cut open the boy's neck when it wasn't necessary? You were supposed to do what you did. Don't ever play dumb, please. Why do men do that? Why do they make it so hard for us to be just who we are? I'm sorry. I'm sorry about Charles, and I'm sorry about me. And I've been thinking a lot about last night, too. I can't believe I pulled back from you like that. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it either. If it would help to put your head on somebody's shoulder right now, I promise you I won't pull away. I'll try not to scare you. Here I come. What's that song? I've never heard it before. It's Swedish. Whenever I'm low, I play it. It reminds me of home. It's sad and funny at the same time. Yeah. There's a traditional dance that goes with it. It's very sweet. Will you teach me? Oh. Are you sure? Yes, please. Uh, all right. All right, you can find MASH 4077 all over the internet. You can find us at Facebook, www.facebook.com slash MASH 4077 podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at MASH 4077 podcast. And you can follow me at Hawkeye Mids. You can find me, Kenny, at Geeky Fanboy. And if you're enjoying this podcast and want to make a donation, it would be much appreciated. You can either go to our main website and there is a PayPal button, or you can go to patreon.com slash geekyfanboy. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash geekyfanboy, and you can become a monthly donator to our podcast. And remember, you can follow us on iTunes, direct download, or of course, from Stitcher Radio. Just search for MASH. 4077 podcast. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for this episode. I think we both agree it's definitely high on our list of likes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Both give it eights. Cool. Well, I'm Kenny. And I'm Meds. <laughs> and we'll be seeing you. Sorry, folks. Wounded. We need a full contingent for.
triage. Too sweet! Oh, damn. Look, we'll only be in surgery for 10 or 12 hours. Let's come right back here and pick up where we left off, okay? I'm sorry, I can't. I have to go in another five or six hours. I've been assigned to the Norwegian hospital ship for tomorrow afternoon. You're leaving? Yeah, well, I was only supposed to stay here for a short time. And I wasted all of it. I'll start dancing again so I can kick myself. Will I see you again? Will you ever come to Sweden? If I ever get out of here, I will. Well, for now at least we can work together for a few hours. Side by side? Yeah, partners. Hello, MASH fans. Now, as some of you know, myself and Kenny have our own individual podcasts, and my podcast is called Waffle On Podcast. And we waffle on about classic films and television programs from around the world. So, if that's your cup of tea or martini, then why don't you follow us over on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or, of course, from Podbean. You can find us at waffleon.podbean.com, and we would be honoured if you would join us. That was the scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. Alienation, the Newcomers Podcast, is a fan cast devoted to the groundbreaking but short-lived TV series Alienation. This series tackles social issues like racism, bigotry, and intolerance with an alien twist. Each month, we will bring you a podcast dedicated to a single episode. The host will give you their thoughts on the episode, as well as some little-known behind-the-scenes information. So please subscribe to Alienation, the Newcomers Podcast on iTunes, or visit our website at alienationpodcast.com. MASH 4077 Podcast is a geeky fanboy production and has a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, works 3.0 United States license. All rights reserved.